I often feel I don't need to hear more homilies about telling me I should go and tell others. I don't know how. Do you feel that way? And if so, I want you to know you're not alone. And if you're a pastor listening to this, I want to tell you, your people don't know how. That's okay. But keep keep on telling people to do something they don't know how to do is frustrating and unhelpful at the least. And that's why in today's episode, I want to talk about how can we create a culture of witness? Because if we do that as a parish, it will be far easier for people to then spill out into the other parts of their life, sharing their story. But if we're not doing that in our parish context, the likelihood of them being able to do that outside the parish is zero. Welcome to the Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst in the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are powered for impact. Hi, welcome to the Huntley Leadership Podcast. I'm Ron Huntley. I'm not only your host, I am also your guest. This is a solo cast. I want to talk to you today specifically about creating a culture of witness in your parish. What does that look like? Why would you want to do it? (laughs) You know, it's funny. When you hear the Great Commission, go and make disciples of all nations. The first thing I think of is how. I don't know how. Growing up as a Catholic boy, I would hear the scriptures being read of miracles, of lives being transformed. We'd sing songs about it. We'd hear homilies about it. Yet, I never once saw it. I didn't see us doing it. I didn't see changed lives. In fact, if I'm honest, I'm not even sure we expect it to see changed lives. I often feel I don't need to hear More homilies about telling me I should go and tell others. I don't know how. Do you feel that way? And if so, I want you to know you're not alone. And if you're a pastor listening to this, I want to tell you, your people don't know how. That's okay. But keep keep on telling people to do something they don't know how to do is frustrating and unhelpful at the least. And that's why... In today's episode, I want to talk about how can we create a culture of witness? Because if we do that as a parish, it will be far easier for people to then spill out into the other parts of their life, sharing their story. But if we're not doing that in our parish context, the likelihood of them being able to do that outside the parish is zero. (laughs) All right. So that's why today is so important. I want to let you know that this episode assumes that your parish is using some tool as a primary form of evangelization. If you're not doing that, it's okay. But you might want to pick up my book, Unlocking Your Parish. I wrote it with Father James Mallon, and it helps you begin to unpack how to use Alpha Well. 
Now, there are other tools out there that you can use, but we've found it so helpful in our Catholic context. But this episode isn't very helpful if you don't even try to bring people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus. And so assuming that's you, if it's not you, go right read the book or, or start doing something. If it is you, I want to help you because this is very, very possible and also incredibly exciting. Because the, the deal is this, as people fall in love with Jesus, as they encounter Jesus in a way that transforms their lives, as they're filled with God's love, they let go of unforgiveness and the, frees them up from bitterness and resentment. Oh, my gosh, it's so amazing. They want to tell, but they just don't know how. That's when, when, when people have that transformational encounter with Jesus. That's when they become a Christian. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Encountering Jesus makes you a Christian. I think it was Pope Benedict XVI who said that. This isn't a framework of ideas and moral theology. I mean, it is, but primarily it's an encounter with a person and that person is Jesus Christ. It's only then that we truly become Christian. And so in other words, that's when we become a disciple. But once somebody becomes a disciple, they need to be discipled. And that's a lifelong journey. And that's the piece where, where this video context makes sense Creating a culture of witness needs to take place within our church structure so that it spills out into other parts of people's lives. So I want to answer the questions in this podcast today. Who do we ask? Where do we find the stories? What do we get people to share? What do they talk about? When do we get them to share? And how can we coach them? Those are all really important questions. I know as I fell in love with Jesus, fell in love with his church, and began to realize that God had a mission and a purpose for me within that church, I struggled because I was frustrated. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to do. And I remember saying to my uncle one day, Father Pat Cosgrove, where I was in his kitchen, having a tea. and um, I looked at him and I must have told the story of some sort. And I looked at him. I said, Father Pat, sometimes I wish I had your caller so that when I spoke about Jesus, people didn't think I was crazy. And then I began to feel sorry for myself in silence while he thought. And then he said this, Ron, sometimes I wish I had your tie. Because when I talk about Jesus, people think I'm doing it because that's my job. I'm not like them, but you are. When you talk about Jesus, people listen. On that day forward, I told myself I'm never going to make excuses again. It always seems easier for other people to tell their stories and be taken seriously, don't you find? And I just realized I'm not going to make excuses anymore. I'm going to grow in this area. But if we're going to, and you remember, if we're going to create a culture of witness in your church. You have to remember what creates culture. It's what we reward and what we tolerate. And so we want to reward changed lives. We want to give people an opportunity to tell their stories. Because when we give people a platform to tell their stories, that's a way of rewarding that behavior or that transformation. And that's what we're trying to do. Culture, what we reward and what we tolerate. And so 
if we never ask people what their story is and we never give them a place to talk about it, it's never going to become part of our culture. So let's give you uh, some ideas about who to ask. Now, I would suggest if you have a staff or key volunteers, ask them, what's the purpose of your ministry? What's the primary purpose of your ministry? And if you think about what your primary purpose of that ministry is, I want you to tell me a ministry win. Tell me a story of a person who's had the benefit of your ministry in terms of its impact. And so let's say you're in serving the poor. Tell me a story and that make that story have a face and a name. Don't just tell me something general. Tell me something specific. Make sure that story has a face and a name and tell me the story about how they've been impacted by what's at the heart and purpose of your ministry. And so getting ministry leaders and staff people to think about that and then try to come up with a story tells them that you expect that their ministry will have an impact and will change lives. It's setting expectations versus don't ask the question almost assumes you don't expect anything to happen. But when you start asking the questions, it makes people think about it. And they might not have a story that time, but I guarantee you they're going to want to have a story the next time. Start asking for ministry wins at staff meetings. Insist that that ministry win has a face and a name, unless it's confidential, but still change the name, but have that face and name in their mind when they're telling the story. Don't breach any confidentiality but tell stories of transformed lives. And if our ministry doesn't have a story of transformed lives, that's a problem. Even money counters. <laughs> I, I say that specifically because I remember one of our finance people saying, what am I going to do? Tell a story about, you know, counting the right amount of checks or getting tax receipts out properly and on time. It's like, no, what, what are you not trying to build a team in your finance area? Is any of those people that you've brought onto your team, have they really appreciated using their gifts to build up the kingdom of God behind the scenes through service? All of a sudden, it's like, yeah, there's this couple and they come in and they thank me every time because they love it. They've been at this church for so long. They've always wanted to do something like this and they've never been given the chance. I see them at church more often. They're spending more time at the church. They're getting more involved all because they're serving a ministry. Victory. Ask for ministry wins. Start with your staff, or if you don't have staff, who are your key volunteers? And ask them, what's the purpose of your ministry? What are you trying to accomplish? And tell me a story with a face and a name. That's a great way to start a culture of witness. And when people share their stories, congratulate them. Keep praise on them. <laughs> Catch them doing things right. It's so helpful. And if that happens over and over again, people start getting used to looking for wins, looking for stories, looking for transformed lives. And staff meetings are one of your platforms for people to tell those stories. The other place you can ask if you're running Alpha or another tool like that, oftentimes you hear about stories at tables, if in those small groups, the people running the small groups get to know those people and they hear stories. But if we're never asking them for those stories, we never hear them and we never find out what's going on. 
And so oftentimes after the weekend away, which focuses on the person of the Holy Spirit, I often say to the team, I want you to write a testimony of how you've experienced God through this alpha being on team and in light of the, the Holy Spirit weekend. And, I want, and I'm going to ask you to send it to me. And then I'm going to ask you if I can use it to share with the staff because the staff work really hard behind the scenes and then they don't always hear these stories of transformation. So with your permission, I would like to share your story with the staff. That often makes people feel really good. You mean father's going to hear the story? Yeah, because he cares. He cares about transformed lives. It sends a message to everybody that your story matters. And then I ask them to share it with everybody at their table in their small group. And then let them know that we would love to hear their story of impact. So it's a wonderful place to mine for testimonies and witnesses. And so those are two great places to mine for stories. But again, the other place, or I should say, the other place that can happen is in any of the ministry leads. And so we'd often have leadership summits three times a year. What's a leadership summit? It's a morning where we bring all the leaders in the church, everybody responsible for leading a particular ministry. We ask them to bring one other person with them. We call them an apprentice. And then we invest in them. We teach them a new skill. We share vision with them. We heap gratitude on them for the work that they're doing. But those are also great places for people to share ministry wins with one another. It's another platform. So you have your staff meetings, you have your leadership summits. Those are places where you can mine for stories. You can do it from your staff, your key volunteers, and your leaders. Wonderful ways to begin to create a culture of witness in your church. So what do we ask them to share? Or what do we ask them to talk about? We ask them to talk about what was it like before you started that ministry, before you encountered Christ, before you took Alpha. So the before story, what happened, what changed, and what's it been like since? And so those are the three components of asking people to tell a story. What was it like before? What happened? What specifically happened, not generally happened, what specifically happened, if possible. And it's not always easy for people to come up with something specific. Uh, and then what's it been like since? So, and, and, and what I'm looking for is how they've encountered Jesus in that middle part. How has Jesus made a difference? And what's, what's it been like since? And so how do we coach them? I'm going to jump right to that part because that can be a nightmare when we give anybody a microphone and they just go on forever and they don't make any sense. That's a disaster. So I always ask people for the before what happened in the after. And I'll listen to them. And I'll be listening for the key component of their story. Yeah, they, I don't want their life story. I want where they were at. Oftentimes, they'll say a bunch of things. And then I'll pull out the most relevant part. You know, let me give you an example. You know, David, when I listened to what you said, you mentioned that you were at work, you were unsatisfied, your marriage was tough and you felt a bit lost. Now you said a lot of other things, but I think that's what people will relate to the most. So I'm not putting words in their mouth, but I am extracting the most important parts and asking for that other stuff to kind of drift, fall away. I just say, David, I'd love it if you just say that one piece. And so then how did Jesus make a difference when you did Alpha? Well, you know, I really like the videos. The videos are really good quality. Okay. 
um, thank you that the video you thought the videos were great. Um, but what happened? Who cares? So you saw good videos. I've seen a lot of good, you know, James Bond movies. Like what, what difference did those videos make? Which video did you feel made the biggest difference for you and why? And so we might have to think about it. And that might be a little awkward and uncomfortable. It's okay for people to feel awkward and uncomfortable. Sit in there with them. Don't take that thinking away from them by filling it in with your words. Sit in silence and see what they come up with. Well, you know, it was just, you know, there's a lot of good stories that were said and I thought things made sense. Okay. Can you remember a story that you heard that kind of touched your heart or made you think differently? Well, yeah, it was that story about the guy who made all kinds of money, but wasn't happy and was drinking too much and womanizing. And, and then he encountered Jesus and, and then he started this water company helping bring water to people who didn't have water in third world countries. And why'd that make a difference for you, David? Because I know I'm called to more than what I'm doing now. And until I heard his story, I didn't know why I felt that way. But now I know why. And I don't know what that's going to look like, but I feel like my life has purpose and I just have to figure it out. What? And so sometimes you have to dig for that specific thing. And if it's general, it's going to impact nobody. If it's specific, it's going to matter. So help people be specific. And so then I would say, David, I would love it if you just say, you know what, when I watched Alpha, there were good videos, but this one video particular connected with me. And actually it was this one story. Tell the story. Tell why it meant something to you. Just tell that part. It's like terrific. And so what difference has it made? Now, this is where... You know, I'm not asking people to be fantastical. I'm not asking people to say something that's not true in any of this. But I want to know, has it made a difference? It's like, yeah, like I just spent loads and loads of time entertaining myself and scrolling through Facebook and stuff. But now I feel like I have purpose. And so I've been seeking out mentors and I've been doing some research and reading some books on people who've really done philanthropy well and kind of found the groove. And I'm really excited to to pray through that and see what God has in store for me. Oh. And so what's the before, what happened specifically, and how has Jesus made a difference? Those are the things I'm looking for, and that's how you coach them. Now, sometime if I'm going to ask people to speak, I'll hold the microphone. So if they go on and on and on and on, I'll just pull it back and say, do you remember what we talked about? Can you get to that point? <laughs> <laughs> or, or I'll just pull away and say, thanks for sharing. And, and so you want to give people dignity, but you also don't want to bore the living daylights of the people that are listening. So it depends on the platform with which you're giving people an opportunity to share. So let's talk about that. When can people share? So they can share at staff meetings. They can share at leadership summits. They can share in your one-on-one -on -one meetings that you might have with your key people or your team. They can share, um, in a written form after the end of a ministry season, you could ask people in your ministry distributing the Eucharist. What's been the biggest impact that distributing the Eucharist has had on you this year? Where have you encountered Jesus in your ministry this year? Tell me a specific story and what difference it made. And you could just ask people to, to write that and send them to you. And if they're really good, ask them, may I have your permission to share that with father and the staff? They would love to hear your story. And so I always ask for permission to share. Because I wouldn't share if people didn't give me permission. But oftentimes they're flattered that anybody else would care. 
And I'm thinking to myself, there's few things I care about more than people's transformation stories and how they've encountered Jesus, whether it be for the first time in ministry or something deeper on a retreat or, or what have you, or at mass or what have you. And so you can mine for that. Um, at the end of, you know, at leadership summits, at the end of your ministry season, if you're running alpha, it's actually a part of alpha. You should be asking people for their testimonies. Part of Alpha is having a celebration dinner. Every time there's a celebration dinner, I go to three people. I ask them those questions and I ask them if they'll speak about that live. I'm going to interview them and I give three different or four different testimonies live at the celebration dinner in front of everybody. And for so many of those people, it's the very first time they've done it. It's so empowering for them. They get so much encouragement from the Alpha team members. And when you tell your story, it grows your faith. And there's one person in every church that gets to tell their story in so many different ways over and over and over again, and it's the parish priest. And in most churches, nobody else is ever even asked, nor are they given a platform to share their story. No wonder we have such little faith, and no wonder people aren't telling their story beyond the pews, because they're never given opportunities in the context of their parish. And that can change with you. And so make that a goal. The other place they can share is if you're getting ready to promote your next season of Alpha, invite people up to share their story. When I do that, I often get a few different sources. I often get somebody young because that's helpful. Uh, and maybe somebody who never had faith before, because that's fantastical. We're not used to seeing people who didn't have any faith at all come to Jesus in the Roman Catholic context and then start coming to church. It's like, what? So many churches, they don't have any new converts in the year. And so that's really cool. But one of the other witnesses that I love getting is that cranky old Catholic <laughs> guy that never wants to do anything. He's a curmudgeon. The guy that said no a thousand times, but finally came because people kept asking him. And thought, finally, I'll go just to shut people up. And he comes and it transforms his life or her life. And that happens all the time. And when they get up there and give their testimony, all the other cranky Catholics go, oh, no. They got to him. <laughs> Where's my excuse? It's such a powerful witness. And the other testimony I love getting is somebody who's asked somebody and they came and their life was transformed. What was it like to be used by God to invite for somebody to encounter, knowing full well that you're the, the, the vehicle that God used to bring that person closer to himself? What was that like for you? Because it gives people the courage to then invite to whatever tool you're using for evangelization. We also do the same thing for the stewardship. Uh, we have a stewardship drive every year to continue to fund the mission and invite people into generosity. Because if you raise disciples, you raise givers and giving is a part of being a disciple. And so we often get people to testify to what it's like to tithe. Ah, the T word. Imagine in the Catholic context. Yes. To give 10% of your earnings to Christ and to, to be good to do it with a glad, uh, uh, with gladness, with a joyful heart. That's what we want to create, isn't it? Of course it is. We want, we want to help people detach from the, the hold that money has on them and the fear. No better way of doing that than generosity. And that's, and so to get testimonies from people just like the people in the pews who've done that and the difference that that's made in their faith life and their walk with Christ is so important. That's another platform where people can share their stories. I'm a huge fan of connect groups. Connect groups are uh, where alpha alumni go to connect and grow post alpha. 
It's where they continue to grow, to be useful. And one of the ways that they grow to be useful is in connect groups. People give the talks. The people in the connect group give the talks. And so you're not just telling your life story because you can only do that once. You're telling faith stories in the context of your fatherhood, in the context of your job, in the context of, of your faith journey, in the context of your biggest disappointments, in the context of what you've learned in the last three years. And so people are constantly given a platform with which they can give a 15-minute talk that's focused on Jesus and some component of their life that they can break open. It's so cool to see people grow in their faith. I remember a friend of mine who uh, teaches law. And um, when I first met him, always a wonderful person, but a tiny bit skeptical. Uh, the wife was, I had a joke one time when I was young, my mother made me go to church, but then I got older and wiser. And when I got married, my wife made me go to church. <laughs> I thought that was the best joke, but he never saw himself as overly spiritual. He was a bit of a skeptic. He had faith by all means, but you know, he didn't want to drink the Kool-Aid, so to speak. And that's probably not the best term, but he didn't want to go all in because that would be a little bit goofy. That's the sense I got. He didn't say that. That's the sense I got. But as this man grew closer and closer to Christ, as he participated in a lot of the different things that we had to, to help people fall in love with each other and fall in love with Jesus, sure enough, his life was transformed just like the rest of us. I'll never forget getting a text one day uh, from him saying, oh, my gosh, you'll never believe it. I just prayed with a coworker. They're going through a tough time. And I took a risk and said, can I pray with you? And they said, yes. So we closed the door and I just put my hand on that person's arm and, and said a prayer with them. And, and he was so excited and I was so excited. He was so excited and I was so excited. He shared it with me <laughs> and now I'm sharing it with you. It's just so wonderful when you create a culture of witness, when you expect God to transform lives, when you expect God to use people like you and me to bring about miracles in the lives of other people. My friend, creating a culture of witness is one of the most important things you can do in your church if you're ever going to go to all nations, <laughs> making make go and make disciples of all nations. It's not going to happen just because you tell people to do it. You need to show them. You need to give them platforms. You need to teach them and you need to coach them. And if we do all that around, a, is particularly in a culture where evangelization is prioritized and sustained, my friends, we can change the world. So go and make a culture of witness at your parish. Thank you for listening. I hope this has been helpful. If it has, let me know. If you try something and it works, let me know. If you try something and it fails, let me know even faster because I always enjoy those stories. I've got more stories of failure than I do of success. I always love hearing both of yours. I hope today has been helpful. Um, again, please subscribe. Come over to our website at HuntleyLeadership.com. Check it out. We're always trying to update it. Let us know what we can do better. Of course, we're on YouTube. We're on um, iTunes. We're on Twitter, I guess that's X now, Instagram. We're trying to do everything we can to help engage people in conversations of leadership that will help parishes. Why? Because my purpose is to make people great. 
And I can't think of a better way to do it than to help churches be wildly fruitful and successful at doing the very things that God has called them to do. And that's why we do this podcast. And I hope you enjoy it. God bless. And we'll see you next time. I want to encourage you as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time. And remember, if you're still breathing, you are powered for impact.